Hi, friends. I'm Katie. And I'm Olivia. And we are Podcast by Proxy, Canadian True Crime. Welcome. flare in my woo we're live woo. for a second episode it's yeah a, a little a little later than we anticipated but it was my birthday so life happens she did a damn thing she she is back on a proper diet today my i have been eating whatever the heck i want for the last three days and it's been lovely like, what did you eat for dinner last night uh because it's been on my mind uh salmon fettuccine it's really good it's quite good there and then yesterday we went to like a brewery that specializes in pizza oh on my actual birthday uh yeah it's like a pizzeria place yeah but on my actual birthday i ate like panago i asked brandon to take me to tim hortons and i got a whole box of timbits for myself my dad brought me lunch like it's been it's been i've been just splurging on food fun fact people Olivia is one of those Timbit adults. Like, you show up with a box of Timbits, and she's like, <gasps> Yeah. It's it's such a simple pleasure. Still, though, if I still, if I see a box of Timbits, like, I'm I'm there. I'm in there. Pazier, like, swimming. If that French toast Timbit comes back this fall. <gasps> they have a French oh, toast Timbit? The, sorry. Sorry. It's a maple Timbit, but it tastes like French toast. Oh, my God. They should make a French toast Timbit, though. They Opportunity should. is being missed. The one that Justin I wish Bieber. was a permanent Collab again. Literally, the one I wish I was a permanent Timbit. I wish I was a permanent Timbit. No, <laughs> the Timbit that I wish was permanent is the blueberry. Oh, it is quite good. I just everything there blueberry flavored is good, and I don't know why it's seasonal. I'll never understand it. But anyways, but everywhere everything blueberry is seasonal. Like look at um, White Spot. Like they do like yeah. blueberry season is a big deal, and but I think like, it's just why. Well, because once blueberries are frozen, I don't think they're, like, quite as good. So I don't think you're going to have, like, great quality all year. In baked goods? I don't buy it. You're baking. Well, neither would anyone else if you made it from frozen. <sighs> I guess so. I love blueberry. Blue, 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 blueberry flavored everything. <laughs> anyway, that's not really. It's a Sunday morning. How did we get Words here? Words are hard. Know. Words are How really hard. How did we get here? How did we get here? Uh, anyway, the the point of that was that I'm I'm ba- I'm getting back into like a rhythm, my regular life. Um, you know, not eating pizza every day, and mm, recording for the podcast. So, hopefully, everyone watched the documentary. If not, we're gonna fill you in ish, anyways. Um, but I kind of want to ask you how you felt about it before we continue. How did you feel about the information presented on the documentary? Um, well, again, like you, I don't love a whole, like, dedicated to the bad guy just telling his side all the time. So I will say it was a lot of just listening to that guy. And yeah. I, I didn't love his voice. And he looks like Skeletor. He's just, like, a unusual looking man that I, I didn't enjoy visually watching this sure. documentary. Sure. Um... But the information I was, like, shocked, but also, like, not shocked at what he tried to say. Yeah. I think it was still a stretch. And at some points, I actually was, like, 
I had it on my laptop while I was cooking dinner and I was watching it and I like had to snicker a few times. Like I was just like chopping vegetables and I was like, buddy. Honestly, after listening, because they were talking about how he was going to testify in his own defense at the original trial and then he chose not to at the last minute. And like, honestly, after listening to that interview, I was like, it was probably a good choice that you didn't because that was not convincing to me. Like, again, I and we're going to talk about it. I do think that there is. There is an argument in there. Like, there is uh, totally an argument in there. However, he is not convincing me. No, I had to keep in mind this whole time that he is so well-versed in the criminal justice system that the way he's talking about it, he's causing more reasonable doubt or he's right. making me feel a certain way. But I have to remember that take that away and what he's actually saying was just like shit to me in a way well and my mouth dropped because i did the only thing that i didn't watch when i researched that original episode was this documentary like i did a ton of research (laughs) and the only thing that i didn't watch was that 40 minutes and it's because i knew that it was very specifically around like that one topic and him like Mm -hmm. it wasn't an all-encompassing thing well that Um, statement was where i was trying to go back to when i just said before recording i was going back to listen to a statement it was in that testimony part that i was like yeah and i was shocked to find out that he he basically came up with a completely different story about where the gun was in the house. And and the whole chain of events that, like... Yes! And the conversations with his wife. Like, there's so much to this that... But then also there's, like, other family members supporting Mm -hmm. what he's saying that you're like, what? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so let's get into this, because otherwise we're just going to start blurting out random topics. Uh-huh. Like we are, We're both, like, rubbing our forehead and touching our we're hair. We're stressed. We are stressed it was out. An, it was an uncomfortable documentary to watch. Yeah, I it felt was. Like. And I think, I think this, uncomfortable is a good word for this it. This whole case is very uncomfortable, because, again, it's yeah. still... Um, it's kind of back to square one, which we're going to find way, out, yeah. um, which we're going to discuss, but it's... It is a very uncomfortable case because it's not one of those cases where, like, I think we kind of talked about this at the end of the last episode, where suicide is, like, this outlandish theory. Like, the the suicide on its face yeah. when you talk to friends and family and things is not this outlandish theory. And so... Yeah, we hear cases where they're like, oh, we ruled it a suicide. And everyone around them is like, they would never. I literally yes. just listened to one of those yesterday. But this was one where I felt like right out the gates when they were talking to anyone around her was like, could she have? And it was like, well, she had talked about ending her life because her conditions were so poor and she felt like so much like not herself anymore. So it is unusual that way. You're 100% correct. It's it's very strange to have all parties be like, well, she could have. Well, yeah, exactly. Uh. Um, So as we saw in the documentary, James Lockyer, who is a criminal defense attorney with Innocence Canada, took this case over in 2014 and he wrote a brief to support um, Dalil's application for a new trial. The brief contained the views of eight pathologists and neuropathologists that contradicted the original pathologist who had concluded the trajectory of the bullet, which we discussed, um, they claimed was diagonal mm-hmm. and proved that she could not have been holding the gun. Yeah. Um, 
So Lockyer said in this brief quote, the bullet traversed from her left forehead to her right forehead and then ricocheted inside her skull, as is well known uh, that 22 bullets do. Uh, he said the pathologist at the autopsy had not noticed shards of the bullet that showed on x-rays on the right side of her brain uh, and said, quote, if he had seen them, it would have alerted him to the fact that this had to be ricochet, indicating a trajectory that pointed to suicide rather than murder. So what they're saying is that the original pathologist didn't see or didn't note these shards Markings or fragments or... that were on the right side of her brain which to them proves that it hit the brain and bounced into the back mm -hmm. like hit the the front right side and then bounced rather than it being a diagonal direction so that's the main argument here yeah that we are kind of going back and forth over in terms of do we need a new trial was a mis like what did something wrong happen here um, it, the, the main point is the trajectory of that bullet, and that's because mm -hmm. that's what proved that it couldn't have been suicide. Yeah. And fair. If, if pathologists say so, then I, I'm not one to argue with this part yet. Mm -hmm. So it was the responsibility of Quebec's independent prosecution office to decide whether it would have uh, a reason whether it would have a reasonable prospect of a conviction and if it would be in the public interest to hold a new trial. Mr. Lockyer said in a statement that he would attempt to soon have Delisle released on bail awaiting that decision. Um, this motion for release was denied in 2016. Good. On March 19th, 2015, Jacques Delisle made a request review with the Minister of Justice for a miscarriage of justice review. Uh, so under Canadian law, the, mis uh, the Minister of Justice has the authority to review a criminal conviction to determine whether there had been a miscarriage of justice. And this is sort of the last, the last, last, last ditch attempt that you can use when you're out of appeals. Because he had already appealed, it was denied. Um, so this miscarriage of justice request is basically appealing directly to the Minister of Justice. Yeah. It really is your Hail Mary. Some evidence uncovered in the 2015 documentary, which we've sort of already talked about, but we'll get into it again, suggested the bullet fragments in the skull that were never recorded in the autopsy. Uh, it was stated that the pathologist had been grossly negligent for failing to disclose and preserve this evidence, which could have established without any doubt the trajectory of the bullet that entered the brain. That evidence was crucial to determine whether Marie Nicole could have fired the firearm herself, uh, and without it, the defense claimed it would be difficult for Delisle to have a fair second trial. They also said that Bourgeau, the, the original pathologist, failed to photograph or preserve the brain slices that he analyzed. Um, I think what they're saying here is that the science wasn't done accurately, and so how can we say that the trial... It's based on the, science. <laughs> ...original trial was fair. Um, yeah. And now, really, what they're claiming is, like, it would be difficult for him to even have a fair second trial because the science wasn't done correctly. Yeah, like, we can't really reuse that same science and information to be like, hey, let's retry them based on this when we're just reusing the same wrong information. But you can present the alternative information that For has sure. now been found right as long as it's enough yeah yeah, yeah. so 
In April of 2021, the Justice Minister, David Lametti, released a statement. So this is six years after the application for the miscarriage of justice. He released a statement stating that information was brought forward that was not before the courts at the time of the trial or appeal that proved there was a reasonable basis to conclude that a miscarriage of justice likely occurred in Mr. DeLille's case. He stated that there should be a new trial. Uh, Quote, following a thorough review and the identification of new information, I am satisfied that there is a reasonable basis to conclude that a miscarriage of justice likely occurred in Mr. DeLille's case. The Justice Minister's office said that the determining whether a miscarriage of justice occurred involves examining the information submitted in support of the application and an in-depth investigation. All relevant material is considered, including new evidence, uh, and the statement said, quote, This is not a decision about the guilt or innocence of the applicant. Rather, the decision leads to the case being returned to the justice system where the relevant legal issues may be determined by the courts according to the law. Yeah, so they're not saying, like, if we retry him, he's going to get off scot-free. They're literally just bringing it back, like I said, to square one. We're starting over again because the first time didn't go as we would have hoped. They're Uh, really just saying, like, let us do this over and do it right. Yeah, exactly. Like, we have more, we have new information now. Um, It doesn't mean that you just, it's it's not a, quote, get out of jail free card. It's literally a, let's go back to square one and try again. Yeah. Like, his sentence is status quo until proven otherwise. It's not like... Yes. He gets out in the meantime. They're not going to just let him walk. Oh, but they did. Superior mm-hmm. Court Justice Francois Huat accepted the request to release Jacques Delisle, uh in 2021. So he was 85 years old at the time of his release pending, like, based on this decision. He, it, what, he, re, he re, uh, accepted the request to release him. He was 85 years old in 2021 when he was released. Uh, he was 77 when he went to jail, meaning he spent nine years in jail before being released pending a new trial. Under his nine bail con- Yeah, under his bail conditions, he must live at his Quebec City residence. He cannot have a firearm, obtain a passport, leave the country or communicate with certain individuals, including <laughs> his mistress was on that list. Actually, I would hope so. I was just reading that. Um, I was just I wonder what their level of communication was while he was in prison, if any, or if they were allowed to even have any contact. Like, I don't know, because she testified at his trial. She's still living with her husband. Like, I don't know how much contact there would be. Like, maybe she just took that as, like, good riddance and just... Let's hope. I hope so. Yeah. But... Uh, uh. Yeah. Uh, bail was set at $100,000, and it looked like a couple people helped post that, and the case was deferred until September of 2021. Again, it really seems like his children support him. Yeah, oh yeah. And so maybe they just banded together and got bail together because again it's just a portion of that's required to be paid so because mm-hmm. what it's like probably 10 10 grand that almost 11 grand that needs paid for that it's like 10 percent of it or something yeah yeah i would be nervous to put up the money for him not that i think he's gonna like flee or anything i just i think i'd be nervous to put up money for anyone unless it was like you or my parents or my spouse yeah i mean we've seen how that goes so. yeah 
Whatever you do, if you're a psychologist, don't put up bail for your client. No. <laughs> We've seen how that goes. Um, okay. He's so, so good the, looking. Yeah, he's terrifying looking. The case was deferred until 2021 in, uh, sorry, September of 2021. In August of 2021, Dalil submitted a request for a stay of proceedings to the court. So he's released, and now he's asking for a stay of proceedings, so he wants no new trial. Um, the crown was given Wait, until... Can we just forget it, guys? Are we good? Correct. Can we just call it even? Correct. The crown was given until October 1st to review the documents of the case and decide whether to move ahead with the trial. Now, remember... That's he today. Yeah, it is today. He was arguing... Um, that basically a fair trial would be do too difficult based on the fact that they're saying the autopsy was botched. In November of 2021, Delil's lawyers argued their case to the court that a Crown expert had made serious errors in the initial pathology report that would make a retrial impossible. They also said there had been unreasonable delays in the case. Unreasonable delays I could understand potentially, but... I 100% believe there's reason to yeah. still, okay, whatever. Let's hear what I, let's hear it. Yeah. So in, in April of 2022, the Quebec Superior Court ruled that Jacques Delisle would not face a new trial and the proceedings would be stayed. The stay of proceedings application was accepted by Quebec Superior Court Justice Jean-Francois Iman. In his lengthy decision, Iman said he agreed with Delisle's argument that a second trial would not be fair because the Crown's expert made serious mistakes in the original pathology report that led to his conviction in 2012. That information, had it been presented to the jury at the initial trial, could have produced a different verdict, he said. Crown prosecutors argued that a new trial was necessary because of the seriousness of the charges. They're basically saying that he should have a new trial because it's first degree murder charge. Oh, no, I know what they're saying. I'm just annoyed at this whole, like, it feels like he was like, hey, let's just call it even. They just like fist bumped him. We're like, you got it, bro. Yeah. Uh, so, of course, the Crown, because the Crown, as much as the defense, has the ability to appeal decisions made by the court. The Crown, of course, appealed this decision to stay the proceedings. And uh, on September 6th of 2023, so literally a month ago, the Quebec Court of Appeal overturned the decision to stay the proceedings. Yes. The province's highest court said the expert's mistake was serious but does not justify a stay in proceedings, which should only be granted in the rarest of cases. It also said that the original decision to stay the proceedings in 2022 was, quote, marred by mistakes. According to this latest ruling, so this is the most up-to-date ruling in this case, if you will. Okay. This is the be-all, end-all as of right now. Right now. Okay. 
Last year's decision was mistakenly based on the idea that it's impossible for Dalil to get a fair second trial and that the errors in the original proceedings could only be remedied by doing away with a new trial. The ruling reads, quote, the court prefers letting the judge and the different parties determine the appropriate remedy. Indeed, despite the flaws in the autopsy file, the experts demonstrate that it is possible to present, regarding the trajectory of the bullet, convincing evidence contrary to that of the pathologist who carried out the initial autopsy. So exactly what I said, just because the science, the autopsy perhaps wasn't done by the book or like you can still present the evidence that you have that contradicts that information. That should be enough. Well, it's it's similar to like reasonable doubt, right? Like you're yeah. saying like this, we're not even going to say why their part is right. We're going to say why it's wrong. Mm-hmm. And it will still contrast the exact same idea we're trying to overall present. So why not? Yeah. So they basically said that the damage, therefore, is not irremediable. Um, irre- irremediable? Irremediable. I could probably say that all day. Irremediable? It's not not fixable it's not remediable (laughs) like to remediate something is to fix it yeah so they're saying that it's not not fixable a second trial (laughs) could fix this you know what i'm saying yeah i feel like we almost just went into the like one of those he knows we know they know we know they know they know he know we know they know situations yeah Uh uh-huh so that's really where it's at that's that's the end of this part two, uh, the court proceedings that led up to this. We're I out see of- what you mean. Like, it's not really done still. We're, I mean, we're back at square Ugh. one. Dude's just going to die before this is over. And I think that's honestly what they want to do is just, like, ride out his life so that no one has to be the bad guy again. I mean, maybe. It's like if he... It's hard because even on the documentary... When he kept saying he didn't do it, and then the person who was interviewed viewing him was like, "Well, if you're Why saying that you like you? went and got the gun and physically gave it to her, and she told you that she was going to kill herself, like you did something. There's a, a cr- there's a crime that yeah. was committed in there somewhere. Whether whether it was out of compassion or whatever the situation was, like there was a crime committed." And again, for anyone who maybe didn't watch The Fifth Estate, what his story change essentially was is that she did not just do this solely on her own. She begged and pleaded with him for him to help her do it. He kept saying no. Finally, he agreed to load the gun, leave it out, and leave her alone for an hour. Like, go get it, load it, like give it to her, Yes. apparently plead with her not to do it, and then go grocery shopping. Because her mobility issues limited her from being able to likely enter a safe where it was load the gun do all those finite details so she was asking him to essentially just prep the gun to just like a firing position and leave it so how is that when you know someone is severely depressed and not in the right state of mind how is that not a crime well and when he says she kept telling me to leave her alone go in the other room Yeah, at least then, if God forbid she does do something, you're right there to apply medical help. Like, why would you leave? And then then he says, like, I kind of believe that we got to a spot where she wasn't going to do it because she kind of just thought, like, okay, well, then leave me alone for an hour. 
because he like loaded the gun and they like talked about it for like a long 20 minutes or something and then finally she just said okay well leave me alone for an hour so he thought that she just wanted some time alone but yet he didn't take the gun well the other part for me because I think words are very powerful in how people say things and the person who was interviewing him asked like do you think you made the right choice that day by leaving and his response was like no because look at me now it wasn't yeah, like it was about no him. because no be- not it wasn't no because look at she's dead I lost her it was I no lost the love look of my now life I'm or... now I'm locked up yeah and like that to me is very powerful well in the part we were kind of alluding to earlier but not really telling anyone what we were talking about was the testimony part where he did not testify in yeah. trial because supposedly the whole story was quite damaging to the family and the whole story of how her mother died. So apparently the one of the daughters went to him like the night before and like pleaded with him not to tell the, the families because they didn't want business. the kids to find out and it was damaging yeah. for the family and like okay, that's fine, but then you listen to his testimony and I'm like, "Well, I'm glad you didn't." Yeah, because I'm not convinced after listening nope. to that. I don't know. The whole, like, no, I obviously didn't make the right choice because, look, now I'm I'm locked up behind bars is, like... Everything's about him. What? Everything. Like, not be- not because maybe she would still be alive if you stayed with her? Like... Yeah. Things would have been different because I wouldn't have lost my wife. Well, and then for me, we all know how I feel about lying and, mm-hmm. like, the... The first statement that you gave to police on scene, you're now making up a completely different story. And he so did you like, lie? I then? don't even know why I lied. It's like, did you lie then, or are you lying now? Like now, I just don't trust you. Now it's yeah, hard to believe anything that you say. Like, thank you for owning up to it. If that is true, mm-hmm. it will be on the record. But it doesn't change my opinion. If anything, like you said, yes, it makes it more negative than positive. Yeah. You know, the whole the whole case, this whole situation is like very sad and very confusing and very Well and the kids also say, like we said, that she could have committed suicide. And when your yeah. kids are even saying, Yes, my mother was in such a dark place that I could have seen her taking her own life, it's hard, I'm sure, as authorities to not just leave it at that in a way. Yeah. yeah. Like, it's their children. And they have multiple, like, they're Mm -hmm. all saying this. They're all having the same sentiment about how their mother's feeling, her mental state. Mm -hmm. Oh. Yeah. No. That's all I have for this one, though. Um, If you haven't watched the Fifth Estate documentary after listening to these two episodes, to be honest, I I don't, it's not, is it that worth it? Like. (laughs) No, because the guy is very difficult to watch. Yeah, and the story is just not that believable, in my opinion. And he says so many times throughout it, like, when the guy's like, and why should we believe you? He's Mm -hmm. like, because I'm telling the truth. It's like, are you, though? But you can't say that because you've lied in the past. You Mm -hmm. can't now lean on hard into, it's the truth. Yeah. Uh, Uh, Yeah, I agree. It's just hard to believe you once you've already lied, so. But thanks uh, for doing homework with us. Yeah, so we'll see where this case goes. Of course, I'll keep everybody updated as it comes. Um, I'm sure it'll be a while, but... um, But like you said, it is one of a kind, and it's interesting to see how it all plays out. 
Yeah, just a little extra bonus episode from us this week, and we'll see you again in a couple of days. <laughs> you see have to in hear from us hours. again soon. Yeah, talk to you Ooh. in forty-eight hours. Bye. Bye. I'll call you soon. Okay. Okay. Bye. 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 How do I stop this shit? I'll stop it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck me.